Hey, don't be a creep. Hey, that's the name of our podcast. Hey. My name's Richard. And I'm Alex. We're two best friends that are on a mission from God. And, uh, yeah, Blues, Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, yeah. yeah. Blues Brothers, really friends. Anyway, so let's talk about what brought us here uh, and what we hope to accomplish with this podcast. Give you guys a crash course real quick. So, uh, as we all know, there's all types of sexual harassment, sexual assault going on in the world. And apparently people just don't know that you shouldn't be doing these things. Right, uh, So clearly. we have people like we have to Judge re-educate. Moore, uh, the president. Harvey uh, Weinstein. Kevin Spacey, Louis C.K. I mean, the list, you know, keeps getting bigger and bigger by the day, it seems. Um, But we also have our own reasons for that as well uh, to justify the reasons for this podcast. Right. For me, personally, it's been being a woman, you go through this a lot. And you over you tend to overlook sometimes or give people a pass thinking it's just one creep and then it's just the other creep and then it's the other creep. But you forget about all the people that they continue to do this to. And by not speaking out, you let it happen again and again. You enable we're, them. Because we're afraid of being victimized over again and again and again because that's what they do. Blame the victims. So that's why it's really hard and it's really important for everybody to bring their stories out. And we're here to listen and try to help learn how to human exactly and spread the word that hey this is not okay um so that actually goes right into our handy dandy mission statement so let me get that real quick so we are the voice to those who are afraid to speak out and we are also here to let you know that you're not alone that it's not your fault that enough is enough it's not okay it's not okay Now watch as the creeps scatter. So, got through the mission statement. And as for me, well, you guys are all going to find out with our story with previous judge Joe Bachman in Cross County, Arkansas. So, let's go ahead and dive on in. Creep number one, Joe Bachman. Let's tell them a little bit about who Joe Bachman is. All right. Joe Bachman was a district court judge for Cross County, Arkansas from 2009 to 2016. Before that, he was a prosecutor for many years uh, in Cross County as well. So he had quite a reputation already beforehand. Of being a creep? Of being a creep, yeah. yeah. And apparently that didn't stop him because ultimately, at least when he was indicted, he was indicted with 21 total charges. 21 total charges. What were they? Well, let's see. We got eight counts wire fraud, one count federal program bribery, 10 counts using interstate communication to carry out unlawful acts, and two counts of witness tampering. Um, Additionally, I did notice on Daily Mail from the UK that there was also charges with child pornography and uh, minor assault, sexual assault, it seemed like. But they also talked about the felony abuse of public trust, sexual assault in the third degree, and what was the other one? Forced labor and um, coercion. Uh, coercion, yeah. So what happened with those? I don't know. So he because only they pl- weren't even included on that. So originally, and I think I can't remember exactly what date, but it was earlier um, on. He denied three of the charges, and that he now pled guilty to two of those charges that he denied earlier, and that was one count of wire fraud and one count of witness tampering. So that's it. As of right now, he's looking at getting one to three years in jail for those two counts, at least. Per the that's, guidelines. Yeah, per the guidelines. But he was actually permanently removed from uh, that position as Cross County District Court judge on May 9th, 2016, right before those indictments. So he thankfully is no longer a judge. 
But what's really interesting from there is that he's actually been been able to hang out in Hot Springs Village. Yeah. How did that end up happening? Well, that's, I believe, his sister. Yeah, his sister lived there. And, and he... he was, um, th- th- when they picked him up, he was depressed and disheveled. And Despondent. he was, you know, all on suicide watch oh, and yes. stuff. So now he gets to hang out in Hot Springs Village, which is where most old people would want to be anyway. So. Oh, yeah. It's a great retirement village, and it is amazing. Beautiful. I've never been out there, but I've it's heard fantastic. it's beautiful. But he's been been there up until then, uh, since he was indicted, and then we getting to hang out in Garvin Woodland Gardens to go walk, apparently. Yeah, and then in October. Now, if that was one of us, it would never happen. No, there's no way we would ever get anything like that. We'd be like, yeah, it'd be terrible. But he gets to hang out, and um, he pled in October of this year, so. Now we're waiting for sentencing. So now we're waiting for sentencing, which right now is looking to be in January. So we've got to get traction on this. Like I said, we've got to get some movement because if this man doesn't deserve the three years that he's looking at getting right now. And we really think they need to do the right thing. Exactly. So help us spread the word. And here comes my story. July 28th, 2014, while driving back from Heber Springs with a friend after cliff diving and having some fun over the week, um, I got pulled over for a speeding ticket, which obviously us driving through small towns with our jobs and stuff, we know not to speed. Oh, yeah. But uh, so like I was probably doing like maybe five over. uh, But the police officer pulls me over and, you know, says, hey, you know, you're speeding and, you know, but he actually was he let me go, which was really cool. Um, yeah. So, hey, thumbs up, right? But then, right before I pull off, uh, as he had walked back to his car, uh, his lights come on. And yeah, then he, and you're going, he, not me. Yeah, exactly. And then he, I was like, I didn't move. And then he walks back over to my car, and he says that, you know, unfortunately, I got you on the camera, so I'm going to need to write you a ticket because of your tags being expired. But, you know, oh my God. just get your tags taken care of and go to court, show them that your tags are taken care of and... You know, there shouldn't be any charges or whatever. Okay. Okay. You know, that's cool. At least I don't but have to pay anything. But what was the whole point of that? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> right. And then, obviously, now in retrospect, it, he's it felt profiling. Like profiling yeah. right. It's like he's profiling. But anyway, so my ticket, or I got uh, that ticket on July 28, 2014, and my court date was August 21st, 2014. Well, around that same time, I had a lot of stuff kind of going on in my personal life that I won't go into. <laughs> but uh, it was a lot of heavy stuff going on with family and things like that. Um, and during that time, I had completely lost track of time. And honestly, any time I've ever had to go to court, it's usually like after 30 days. Or it's usually like two months Sometimes after. Sometimes two months, yeah, I've had that. Um, but this one was less than 30 days. And so I honestly didn't even take a look at the ticket. And then when I found it, I was like, oh, crap, you know, I'm late. And so I had a friend across the street from me who, um, you know, he was an attorney and I had reached out to him and he ended up sending the city clerk an email um, for me to get a new court date. So I ended up getting my court date set for September 18th. So, how to describe Parkin City Hall. It's in a school building. It's in an old school building. (laughs) And right when you walk in on both sides, there's like lockers and stuff. But immediately to the right, there's the door for the courtroom. 
And of course, you go down a little bit by the uh, past the lockers on the right hand side, and there's the judges' quarters, which conveniently right behind that is also the city clerk. There's a reason for that. So, <clears throat> anyway, um, deer in court. The only way that I can describe it is just how you imagine a southern judge to be like on a movie or TV show. You know what you see portrayed at least. Brash, bastard. Yeah, I mean yeah. brash, super. You know black and white and cut and dry and that's exactly how this was i mean he raised his voice all kinds of stuff so it was really weird but there was this younger guy that was a few years younger than me um that i had noticed that went before me and he ended up getting community service from the judge and he said you know hold back after court after court today and i'll tell you more about community service well of course my last name i'm smack dab in the middle so I have to hear everybody else's, you know, situation. But thankfully I heard that one because when I go up to, to talk to the judge and everything, you know, I said, you know, apologies for forgetting my court date. Um, I had a lot of stuff going on with job and my family at that time. And he said, well, you know what? I don't believe you, but hang back after court. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about community service like the gentleman from earlier. Awesome. Cool. Hey. Right. And right now this is like close to $500 worth in funds because I'd missed the court date and everything else from before. So that's a really big deal. So oh, yeah. I hang back after court and the judge starts telling both me and this other guy about this community service uh, for helping out like mentally disabled people that, you know, can't have jobs and different things like that. It gives them, it like helps them in some way. And, you know, it also seemed interesting to me too. And he's telling me, you know, get, gather two big bags of cans and, you know, buy this such and such date and uh, call this number, which he gave to us written down. There'll be instructions on where to, you know, drop off the cans and everything. Awesome. Once again, it's $500 I don't have to pay. Great. You know, that's really right. awesome. But anyway, so I, I finally get my cans and everything and, or I call the phone number that was given to me and the voice on the other end sounds familiar. You know, it, but it wasn't a it wasn't a voice that I I don't know. It was just a it sounded like a familiar voice, um, but I didn't think anything of it. Just thought you know, southern guy, it was a man. Right. southern white male in Arkansas. Well, this gentleman had given me an address to to go to, and awesome, cool. I'm driving down to bring these bags uh, of cans, not five hundred dollars in fines. Um, and I remember being on the phone with you as I'm pulling up and everything, because it's about from Memphis to Win. It's about an hour or so. And it's, once again, I already knew it's all back roads and stuff, so I wasn't speeding, so I was taking right. my sweet time. But I also had to be at work later that day, too. So I pull up to the house. And you There's, remember going, it's a house. It's a house. And I'm like, okay. um, And, you know, the judge is walking out from the inside of the house through the garage to come out to me. And I remember getting off the phone with you. And he had said, you know, to bring in the cans and put them by the back door, and which was, like, the door was almost parallel to where the garage, I guess, entrance door was. So this was his house? This was his house. What was he, I mean, what was he wearing? What was he, like? I mean, normal clothes. Like, it was probably, like, a t-shirt or, like, a polo. I don't remember it being anything dressy or anything like that. And once again, it was, or I guess I didn't say that. This is completely different, so... He's acting way nicer. 
uh, his dress, obviously normal, because apparently he wasn't at work, and I thought I was going to be showing up to a, a charity. charity facility or something right. like that. But anyway, so I set down the bags by the back door, and uh, I look over to the right, which when you walk in, there's the kitchen, and behind the kitchen is like the dining room area to the right of it, and then beyond that is like I guess a living room. And the only, all the lights are off. It's daylight. It's coming through the windows. Uh, he has those open from the backyard, so I can see through there. But I'd noticed on the counters that there was a bottle of, like, brown liquor. Uh, you know, scotch whiskey. I don't know which one, but there were two glasses right next to it, which I had noticed and thought was a little interesting. I, I set the bags down and everything else, and then he starts talking to me, and it's just, like, simple conversation. You know, who are you? You know, thanks so much for helping with the charity. You know, basic conversation. Right. And then he said, well, you know, I'm going to have to get some pictures for the charity, you know, that you did the community service and everything. So let's go to the backyard. If you can grab those two bags of cans. Cool. So we moved to the backyard. And then I'm holding them up. And one picture, like my first picture, I'm holding it up. And it's like... You know, I'm probably smiling or something like that, and I've got, like, I've caught two big fish in my hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just like, hey, I'm helping out. Um, <sighs> so it's all in the all up and good, and then he says, you know, set the bags down and uh, open them up, and I want you to get, like, a cocaine or something like that, and just, you know, set it on the ground like you're picking it up. And I'm like, okay, like, real-time shots, oh like God. he's there for community service. Like he's standing there for you. Yeah, yeah, but okay. I noticed that he's taking the pictures from behind and that was you know at first what that's right. weird and then he asked me to take put that can up and then to grab a beer can and uh, set it down on the ground so i picked up the can and i set it on the ground and once again, he's taking pictures from behind, but right, now it's weird he's telling... Right, he specified a beer can, isn't it? I know, it, there's something weird about that. And then right. he's asking me to spread my legs wider and wider apart Ugh. while he's taking these pictures from behind. And once again, I'm thinking, you know, you're taking Great. these pictures for this for this uh, charity, but you're taking them from behind, <laughs> right? So at this point, this is the first alarm that's kind of gone off. I mean, everything else, for the most part, I'm a guy. It seemed pretty normal. But up until this point, right. everything's good up until he asks me for, or until I see him taking those pictures, then right. everything changes. And then he says, well, come on back inside and uh, set the cans back down. And, um, you know, we got to fill out the paperwork and everything that you complete community service. And then he kept saying, um, you know, aren't you glad you didn't have to pay this $500? Aren't oh, you glad you didn't have to pay the $500? And it's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm really so thankful that I didn't have to pay the $500 as I was a full-time student and a full-time worker. And, you know, that's a huge, at that time, I was 23, I believe. So, I mean, yeah, it was a it was a big deal of money. Anyway. But not worth being creeped out like that. But not being creeped out like that. So... So as we walk back inside, um, after the judge saying, you know, aren't you glad you didn't have to pay that $500? Then he asked me if I would like to have a drink. Well, of course not, because one, you're a judge. I'm in your house. (laughs) This is a really weird fucking situation. And the second thing is, you're a judge. I'm in your house. I mean, yeah, it's really weird. And then on top of that, I I had to be at work. I I had to drive away. And it's creepy. Yeah, this is just a creepy situation anyway. So... 
you know, I said, no, thank you. No, I'm good. And then he starts asking me, um, it's starts asking me a little bit more personal questions about myself, like, um, about my job, about my ambitions, beliefs, politics, my relationship status, like all kinds of weird stuff like that. Um, but just diving a little bit more into who I am and trying to build that like fake bond. Yeah. And it's just, it's weird because once again, it's a judge and I'm in your house but once again, I mean, there's no lights on in the house. I mean, there's, it, I don't know if anyone else is there. Um, and then he asks if I have any tattoos, which of course I do. And, you know, I'm proud of my tattoos. And, um, you know, I said, I, you know, absolutely. Yes, I do. And he asked if he could see them. And so, you know, I have some on my arm and I have one on my leg and, you know, I just showed him a few ones. And then he said, oh, do you have any others? And I said, well, yeah, I have a couple on my chest. And he said, well, do you mind if I see them? It's it's a weird... It's, yeah, and you're yeah, thinking, this is weird and this creepy. This is weird and creepy. But then, of course, he he's tops that. Uh, and he's a judge. And then, of course, he tops that because then when I show him, I lift up my shirt to show him. Then he asked if he could take a picture because of how nice they look yeah. and stuff like that. And I said, you know, of course, I deflect from that. And I'm like, you know, uh, no, thank you. You know, I just, because of job and stuff like that, I don't trust any of that stuff. And he said, oh, well, they wouldn't be for anyone else. They'd just be for me. And I was like, well, no, thank you. I'm really good on that. Um, So after he drank three drinks, uh, the judge told me about a yearly trip that he takes to Europe, apparently, or supposedly, where him and a friend, apparently, in 2014, made a bet. Uh, to see who can get the most amount of people to be in the Statue of David pose. Which is another way of saying, will you pose naked for me? Exactly. Um, So he said, you know, we have this bet going on, and, you know, I'm willing to give $300, you know, if you'd be interested. Right. So obviously I told the judge no, and... It was pretty much from there, just divert and distract, like, how do I get out of here? And immediately just say, hey, you know, unfortunately, I can't do that, but I do have a friend that's an artist uh, that might be interested in doing that. He's a college right. student. You know, he might need the $300, you know, try to, you know, push it off, divert and distract. And then he goes, it's like he just snaps really quick. And he goes, well, I don't know your friend. I trust you. And I know you. Yeah. It, it, it was pretty strange. So I'm starting to edge my way closer and closer to the door. And I mean, and hoping honestly, it's not locked, right? And I mean, once again, I don't know if there's anyone else in the house. And I mean, I feel like there's something weird going on. And then... Well, there's a whole lot of weird going on. I'm saying like in the background. I don't yeah. know. And then like... He kept trying to do these things where his he was trying to occupy his dog and like his get his dog to do little tricks and stuff like that, and like hold it was almost like he was trying to hold me there and I'm just trying to figure out you know which which drawer are the knives in you know what's going to be the quickest way to get out of here right. I didn't know if he locked the doors anything like that that's um, what I was thinking anything he could use he could use as a weapon if you had to yeah, yeah. I mean it, but it just felt like he was trying to hold me there conversationally and just like. I don't know. Keep you there longer. And, and once again, it's... Well, it gives him longer to make his moves and, you know... The whole part of it is just him being a judge. Right. What do you do in that situation? But, you know, I had to sign the paperwork before I left. Everything saying, you know, that I completed the 
community service, um, which thankfully I had copies of. We'll tell you why later. But anyway, so I signed the documents and he said, you know, I wouldn't have to show up to court on November 20th, um, that he took care of it and that he wanted me you know, to write him a note saying, thank you for letting me do community uh, service for you. God. Uh, yeah. Thanks for this right. weird traumatizing experience that God. I, yeah. I still don't. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but before I walk out the door, he, he tried to get me one last time to, you know, convince me to do this pose and stuff. And I was like, no, thank you. I'm, you know, I can't do that for work, like I said. So he had at least three drinks throughout this span that I saw. I don't know what he had had before or anything else. Yeah. Um, so could you tell that it was... I mean, you, his him? speech was starting to get slurred and everything else after Well, and I guess second. he took that crisp tone with you, too. So yeah. then you're like, wait, this is changing. Yeah, and it was like right back to that old personality of him in court. Um, but, we call that the whiskey personality. <laughs> but he told me that I was always welcome to call him or stop by if I was ever in the area or if I ever needed help out of another ticket. Oh, geez. Or... You know, I, I tried to get out of there as quickly as I could once I signed the paperwork and, and just got out of there. And then immediately I called you as I was driving through the neighborhood as, as quick as, as right. I could legally. Right, you know? without getting pulled over. Yeah, because it was just, <clears throat> I don't know the reach of this guy. <sighs> I know. And obviously now that we know more, oh yeah, it's crazy. But <sighs> I remember driving all, all the way out and just trying to be in public. And being right there at the um, the Murphy Express gas station, yeah. right there by Walmart, um, and just talking to you on the phone about all of it. So I mean, that's the reason why I know, and I couldn't know. believe it when you told me. But that's the reason, rushed. obviously, why you were a part of the case and why we didn't have to testify in October like we were supposed to. Right. But anyway, so but I remember being on the phone with you and just saying, you know, I. I feel like I need to tell someone about this, but I don't know who to tell, who to trust. I mean, right. this is a small podunk town, and we were and traveling back and forth. Me? And we were traveling back and forth between yeah. all these small towns for work. You know, who are they going to believe? Exactly. So I'll, over after this, I only told a few people about it because I'm a guy. And it's not a, you know, super comfortable conversation. Well, I with. know, because even when you were telling me, you were not like... Um, I mean, you were just like... I can't believe this happened to it, me. It's just such a weird, and still, it's it's such a weird situation, but obviously now I know that it was just a tactic, and he was just trying to see how what he could get away with or how far I could go. Right. Um, but probably, what, about a year or so later? Yeah. Because, well, wait, so after all of that happened, meanwhile, I... Was because I was traveling back and forth between um, Northwest Arkansas to Louisiana to Memphis. Right. I was traveling back and forth, and with that situation and with some of the other things that were going on, I just had to had to leave and I had to move to Little Rock. Um, and a few months later, I had one of the few people that knew about the story, someone that I worked with. He had reached out to me and said, hey, Richard, you know, I saw something on the news last night and I think it's your judge. Did you see it? And I said, no, I didn't. I pulled over immediately. I was on my way to Texarkana 
uh, that day for work. And sure enough, that was the judge. And immediately from there was, okay, who I need to talk to in order to, you know, share my experience. Because obviously there's other people out there that also shared a, a, a weird experience. And there were so many more stories. Horrible stories. So many terrible stories. Um, and unfortunately, we can't get to all of them. But we will get to as many as we can. But, I mean, immediately after that, I reached out to Stacy from Channel 7 News here in Little Rock did my interview there um and at that time i was anonymous so they didn't show my face or anything like that and that was that came out right around thanksgiving time 2015 yeah around thanksgiving time 2015 because i remember it was right before black friday with work and everything else and immediately after that i got in contact with the judicial discipline and disability commission also shortly known as the JDDC, um, and that's where I first met, you know, David Sacker and Emily White, and right. got more involved with the case. And I haven't even scraped the bottom of the depravity. I'm sure that's that's there. I've read a, a lot, and it's been terrible, and we've heard terrible accounts. It's mind blowing. It really is, and what's more mind blowing is that. It went on for such for a long so, span of time. So long. Because how many people would have to help him cover? Well, I mean, yeah. we had the officer, and I mean, the city clerk, immediately after I was handed um, the note from court, I mean, they were the ones who, you know, handed me the rest of the documentation and stuff. Hmm. So, I mean, some of the city clerks were also documented to be, you know, in cahoots as well. Um, but the well, JDDC. Or, in, or witnesses, too. Or witnesses to. Uh, but the JDDC had already had a bunch of... Has so much documentation that goes back so long uh, about this judge. Um, but short, coming up now. But, I mean, shortly after that, I mean, it seems so like it's been so much in that short amount of time. But then, since then, it's been, like, creeping. But then I had my interview with the FBI... Probably two, three months, I would say, after I had my interview um, on the news, Channel 7. Is that the one that I had to go to, too? That they told yes. Me? Yeah. Yeah, so then we met with uh, the FBI, and then shortly after that, we had our had grand jury, grand jury uh, where I testified there. And then, what was it, back in June 2016, that was when I uh, became... I wasn't anonymous anymore. Oh, yeah. And I did, did the did article with Arkansas Times and, and Associated Press. Uh, shout out to David Kuhn and Claudia Lauer so much. Thank you so much for what you guys have done. But, yeah, so pretty much since then, it's been... So what made you decide to not be anonymous? Honestly, no one... There haven't really been a whole lot of people that have spoken out about this. Um, there are 254 incidents with community service that were similar to mine that were undocumented um, where it shows that someone wasn't there so we at least know that at least with the way that he usually handled those records with that those consistencies that's what we're looking at um, we have I believe at least 35 identified victims that have come forward but there's so many more that haven't because they're men in the south right and that's what we're battling right now so 
that's part of our initiative is to be able to create awareness around this and let those victims know that they can speak out because I mean, there's so many t- horrible stories. I can't even, I mean, spanking. Um, there's been stories about, uh, guys being, being in court naked, being, t- having pictures taken. Um, there were after like, after hours, there, after sure. hours, there were like thousands of pictures. Right. You guys will hear more about this, but I mean, thousands of pictures that they found, of just all kinds of weirdness and it was aided for years and people covered it up and he got away with it because of his family and because of the power that he had in that town. And it's not just, you know, over a few years, this was 40 plus years. Oh yeah. Going back to that article that you were in. Mm Mm-hmm. He was talking about, like, it went back when he was a prosecutor to the 1970s, where he'd be trading leniency for sexual favors. And, you know, at that time, there were some of those men are still in jail now. That's crazy. Yeah, you don't put out, you're still in jail. But remember, as a judge, or he first became a judge in 2009... So, if I remember correctly, he first came onto the JDDC's radar back in 2011, and I don't have the complete thing in front of me, but on the letter of admonishment, it says it pretty clearly. And in this case, um, it says, your call made it, this is in reference to Judge Joe Bachman, your call made it unclear if you were acting as an attorney, a friend, or in your capacity as judge. These actions made it difficult for others to determine your role and your authority. On top of that, it also said that you have also helped return stolen goods that were taken by one of your family's part-time employees. This led to a sitting judge handling stolen property, albeit in an effort to turn the property over to authorities. Right. So, this was back in 2011 is where Emily White and David Sacker all got this started. But he was trading leniency for sexual favors all the way back to the 70s. How did they miss it for that long? Well, this in this town, going through the old forums Uh, and stuff like that, this town is, it seems like corruption. Yeah, it sounds like everybody knew. And everybody knew about it, but no one did anything about it. And still nobody's Um, talking. Well, and it seems like there's just, once again, that strong family out there there seems to be really strong ties and it's all hush hush it's the south Um, and it's politics exactly you know yeah exactly and we know exactly how politics is and of course this is the deep south but that was back in 2011 with that letter of admonishment all right and things get even more interesting because in september 2014 which was around the time that i met joe bachman um, according to, this was AMP Plus, which is the Arkansas Money and Politics paper out there, which is pretty legit. Right. Um, in September 2014, a prosecutor charged Crystal Avellino with three felony counts of theft of property and three felony counts of abuse of an endangered or impaired person. Now, you might be asking, who is Crystal Avellino? Well, okay, so she is Judge Joe Bachman's sister's son's baby mama. Gotcha. Gotcha. So basically, Chris so Albano birthed his great niece. His great yes. niece. Okay, great gotcha. Niece. So, uh, Crystal Avellino, it says right here, she stole approximately $30,000 um, and she got to uh, them to give her installments of approximately $9,000 a pop and she did that three times. So, 
what happened from That's there. A lot of money. Well, and here's the thing. So, Mr. Bachman reduced her bail uh, to an or bond, allowing the court to release her on her own uh, recognizance without posting cash with the court or bondsman. Whoa. Judge Bachman therefore reduced bail to zero for the mother of his niece. Not only that, but then he also had a strong working relationship with her brother, um, who also is a part of all of this entanglement as well, as far as there's deep ties there, as far as we know. Isn't he one of the um, witnesses as he's, well? I believe he's one of the victims and witnesses as well. Yeah. Or one of the victims as well. But, so, it gets really interesting. So, from there, we have Crystal Avellino with this charge pops up on the JDDC's radar again, September 2014. Um, it's rumored that that could be why he resigned uh, back in May 2016. He was supposed to be, I believe he was going to be getting off the bench a few months from then anyway. So, but he ended up resigning. But Crystal Avellino met uh, a gentleman named Bobby Wright. And as far as we know, Crystal worked at a sex shop out in Wynn. And she met Bobby Wright. Now, unfortunately, we don't know that much about Bobby Wright. But no, from what we yeah. do know is that he had a troubled past. Um, but he uh, there might have been some tie-ins with the judge as far as whenever he was younger. But at, a, at least I don't know... We don't have confirmation of that, but... No, but we did hear that he was one of the, um... One of the basement victims. So, if anybody knows anything about that and would like to share... Yes, we would be we very would interested in hearing about that. Um, but Bobby Wright and Crystal Avellino had a tryst for a while, and from there, um, they had a thing for a little bit, and he ended up killing her and then killing himself. Well, um, yeah, and that's very strange. Yes, Just and simple, I mean, yeah, and then of course, once again, we go on the online forums and stuff, and they talk about and how you know, much damage came from what happened with this judge that really affected all of them. Well, since and yeah, they were all well, and we don't know if Bobby Wright was a part right, of all of this. Right. Maybe he was. I don't know if he was going to testify for something. I don't know. Um, I do know that apparently his mental stability wasn't there. Um, yeah, and and the people on the forums Crystal like Avellino to talk over there. and Crystal Avellino had broken stuff off apparently with him. But anyway, um, it's rumored that there was possibly a third person in the in the house at that time. Um, that wasn't confirmed, but this was just online forums. So if anyone knows anything, we're really interested in knowing about that. Now they were both killed um, on. September 21st, 2016. And another interesting tie into that as well is that the business that Crystal Avellino was working at that she stole that money from was Win Win Elder Care, which is owned by Bachman's sister, who he also oh. helped out financially with. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it's it all. It's really convenient with all that. Like we said, there's all types of different things as far as corruption in this town. So another interesting thing is J.R. Smith, uh, who's the sheriff for the town, also became the sheriff in 2009 as well. And he was also a part of finding, every, dealing with everything with the Bobby Wright and Crystal Avellino killing as well. So 
Um, I know that he was a part of that. But corruption bleeds through this town. Um, we can even go back to another case back in, I believe, 1997 um, with Roger Spears, who was the lieutenant detective, I believe, for uh, Cross County. And he was actually married to Rosemary Hess, which was Joe Bachman's sister, um, until 1996. And she, or he divorced her because he was cheating on her with Sheila Tacker, which was Bachman's secretary. But what's interesting about all this is he actually ended up, back in 1997, um, Sheila Tacker threatened to kill Hess. Officers restrained her and found a weapon. And Sheila was charged and found guilty, supposedly. Um, and then another interesting side note with that, he actually ended up suing Cross County, interestingly enough, because of basically damaging his reputation, right? Right. Uh, and Well, I mean, like, there were tons of testimonies from people saying, I mean... Basically, that was the whole thing. They had the fuck trailer, supposedly. Yeah, on the like by the side of the river or something like yeah. that, and when bald knob, I thought it was bald bald knob barrier or something. Yeah. Um, but they had what they referred to as the fuck trailer, and they would exchange. They would officers would have sex with women or different pe- men and women, I guess, in this trailer in exchange for, you know them not having to go to jail or whatever else. So, I mean, that's that's what makes you wonder. So all those things connect back and... So obviously corruption has been running through this town for many years. Uh, And I mean, that incident happened in 97. We're talking 2009, the judge came into power. And here we are today. So um, there was... I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we missed. Uh, There was the the, also the cabin where he hid pictures uh, that were buried. Um, there were also like over 4,000 pictures that was on his computer that were pornographic related. Um, and some, and there were photos of people or minors oh, under sure. 18 yeah. on the computer as well. So why aren't those charges there? So all that to say, here we are once again. And the JDDC's got pictures the, of your butt now. Yeah, the JDDC might actually have pictures of my butt. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, um, but so like we said, right now, at least with the standard guidelines, um, this judge is looking at getting a year and a half to three years in jail. There have only been, I know, a part of the civil complaint I'm a part of. There's only five or six witnesses or victims that are speaking out. And a lot of people are also out of the statute of limitations as well. So this does go really far back. We need more people to speak out, and that's really hopefully where you can all help us if you have any information or know anyone. Send them our way. Send them our way. But it's really weird, obviously, that he has this hearing beforehand, and it's going to be recorded. But he pled guilty to two counts, like I said, out of over 20-plus, wire fraud and witness tampering. Like I said, we're still waiting on the official scheduled hearing, or the sentencing hearing. But yeah, they've sealed the plea agreement addendum. So, yeah, so we're waiting to see. But also in the civil complaint that I'm a part of, uh, another weird thing is that he might be granted immunity. Don't really know how that can be the case. That's crazy to me. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So that's still something that needs to be answered. Haven't had an answer to that yet. Um, So, yeah, this is an ongoing case. It's an ongoing thing. And Um, we will keep you posted on every step of it because we'll be there. But now we want to hear from you. you. Good job. (laughs) Okay, your stories are very important to us. It's an 
advocating and telling these stories that we can begin to heal. And it's the catalyst for the change that we're trying to create. Exactly. That way, maybe people will have to will have to tell people to be less of a creep, and they will understand that they're just being creepy. So here at Don't Be a Creep Podcast, we're going to talk about creepish behavior, we're going to talk about humaning overall, and we're going to talk about, just in general, what not to do. So please, be a part of the story, be active, be a great participant. Yes, and you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on Twitter, which is probably where we are most. Feel free to shoot us a DM on any of those with your stories or any information that you have for us. And we'll get back in touch with you. Thank you so much, and we hope you have a wonderful day. And don't be a creep. Thank you. Bye.